Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. I'm your host, Bananiac, and this is Bananas. everyone welcome back to the podcast just want to start off by saying thank you to everyone who has been tuning in and supporting the podcast it's so gratifying that i can help provide you guys with value just through audio it's really amazing just curious to know where you guys listen to the podcast are you on your commute to work or school is it on a ride or a run Feel free to tweet me at Bananiac, that's B-A-N-A-N-I-A-C. As a reminder, you guys can find all the episodes of This Is Bananas on Bananiac.com, where I include insightful show notes about the guests. I also just added an Amazon banner, which you guys can use to shop all your needs on Amazon, which is at no extra cost to you but does help support the podcast and my work. Also, I want to let you guys know that if you want early access to the video format of the episodes, you can head on over to my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Bananiac, and you guys can get early access for as little as a dollar per month. Anyway, let's get into this week's episode, which is with none other than the great Michael Greger. And I'm pretty sure that this is one of the earliest interviews that you will probably find with Dr. Greger on YouTube. It's actually pretty funny. You guys should go and watch the video when you get a chance. But when I connected with Dr. Greger on Skype, I was so confused because all I could see was a bobbing head. And I had no idea why he was bobbing his head from side to side. And later did I realize that He was on a treadmill, so you can kind of hear it if you listen for it. This interview was done back in October 2013 when he was rocking a beard for all those nutritionfacts.org fans that remember. We actually chatted about some pretty interesting topics such as whether counting calories is the right way to approaching health problems, if people should eat nuts and vegan meat alternatives, and if raw food diets are healthy. So. Let's go back in time for this Bananiac classic. Hey guys, Bananiac here. I'm here with Dr. Michael Greger today. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to do this interview with me. Happy to help out anytime. So I have a lot of great questions for you, but before we go into it, I'd just like to go into how you got into the um, becoming a medical doctor and uh, if you could kind of tell us a little bit about the work that you do. Sure. Um, uh, actually went to medicine. Uh, I have a few videos on my site uh, talking about kind of my story. Uh, it was my grandma, actually. You know, uh, many kids, I think, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, what spurs them to be a doctor, to want to be a doctor when they grow up is uh, you know, seeing a grandparent get sick or even die. But for me, it was watching my grandma get better. Um, this, was, oh, this was back in the 70s. I was just a little kid. Um, uh, but, uh, my grandma had end stage terminal heart disease, already had enough, so many kind of bypass operations, open heart surgeries that basically ran out of plumbing. And so, uh, they just sent her home to die, confined to a wheelchair, crushing chest pain. 
Let's hear about Pritikin. Uh, Nathan Pritikin, one of the early lifestyle medicine pioneers who had opened a clinic in California and who was taking the kind of death's door people, you know, people that had no other options. Um, and in a couple of weeks, she was, you know, walking 10 miles a day. They wheeled her in. She walked out, lived another 35 years, right? Uh, uh, to enjoy her, all her grandkids, including me. And, uh, and just shows the power of what a healthy diet and exercise can do. And that really inspired me to uh, kind of, uh, you know, uh, go into medicine and practice the kind of medicine I'm doing today. Wow. That's that's amazing. You said 30, 35-ish years about Yeah, this. so, yeah. So, uh, so uh, let me see. She was 65. So, 96 or 31 years. She died in 96. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, she didn't have uh, many days left. Um, just shows the power. I mean, and you know, back then, so this was before Pritikin did his work before uh, angiography was really um, uh, basically invented or became in widespread use. That's where you can actually take kind of x-rays of people's arteries and actually see them kind of in live time. And so basically, I mean, before then, I mean, you, you, you didn't know, I mean, there were symptoms and there were clinical judgments and so someone who couldn't walk because of crushing chest pain all of a sudden is completely cured and, you know, has no more symptoms. I mean, that's like, you know, it's like a hands-on miracle, right? A laying the hands-on miracle. But it was not satisfying to the medical community because they wanted kind of proof in black and white. Maybe you just said you had crushing chest pain before. And, you know, there's no ev objective evidence. But, ne but then... So that's why, even though Pritikin had been reversing heart disease by the thousands with a healthy plant-based diet and lifestyle, um, before uh, Dr. Dean Ornish came along, when he published in 1990 in The Lancet, the most, probably the most prestigious medical journal on the planet, you know, angiographic evidence of reversal, opening up arteries, you can see it in black and white, opening up arteries without drugs, without surgery, um, uh, just with a healthy plant-based diet and other lifestyle changes like, uh, like exercise. Um, uh, you know, reversing our number one killer. I mean, that was, uh, you know, what else did the world need? Of course, that was decades ago and people continue to die by the hundreds of thousands of this preventable, treatable, reversible disease. And that's why I do what I do. Um, you know, I'm a dietetic student and, um, studying nutrition and what we're learning in nutrition class basically is. The way to you know solve all these health problems, or even as simple as weight loss, is to cut calories. So my first question to you mm -hmm. is: Is a calorie a calorie? You know, if we're having an 800 calorie meal worth of bananas versus perhaps steak or cheeseburgers or whatnot, are they the same? Um, can we really compare the two? Not only, oh, of course, a calorie is not a calorie. The, I mean, in terms of weight loss. First of all, I mean, that is kind of the standard uh, recommendation, right? You go on a calorie-cutting diet, uh, you know, portion control, you know, you eat the same crap, but just less crap, and then you lose weight. But, it, I mean, so in the short term, that works, right? In the short term, there's all sorts of ways you can get people to lose weight. Tuberculosis, a cocaine habit, AIDS, chemotherapy, lots of ways to lose weight. There's healthy ways, unhealthy ways, then there are sustainable ways in unsustainable ways. In the short term, you can lock someone in a closet, they'll lose weight, they, you know, get their calorie, you know, deprived. But for the long term, for the long haul, sustainability, 
diets by definition don't work because they're time limited. You can fit into your bikini or whatever, but then as long as you go back to your quote unquote regular diet. So unless your regular diet is a healthy diet, right, is a diet that promotes weight control um, and health, um, then, you know, it's just not going to work for long term. And for long term, that's really what we care about, certainly in the medical profession. Um, and so, and portion control just doesn't work. We have this incredible evolutionary drive. That's like, you know, why abstinence programs don't work uh, to prevent teen pregnancy, because we have this incredible biological drive to eat, to drink, to, you know, do all the other things that perpetuate our species. And, you know, it's just, I mean, so it works short term, right? But uh, long term, one really needs to figure a way to eat fewer calories, but not feel hungry, not feel restricted. And how you do that is by eating calorie dilute foods, meaning for the same volume, for the same weight, for the same stomach capacity, you get more nutrition um, and fewer calories. And how do you do that? Well, whole plant foods are the way to do it. They have fiber, has zero calories. So you, all of a sudden you have this bulk, you got no calories at all. Uh, plant foods tend to have a lot of water in them. Again, calorie free, but actually bulks up. You know, when you, you know, when you dry a banana, it shrivels into this teeny little, you know, I mean, that's because 90% of the banana was water. Um, but I mean, to your stomach, your stomach, you get filled up regardless of what's in there. Um, and so you just got fewer calories. Now, if you had instead tried to fill up your, you know, one liter approximately, you have about one kind of one quart stomach volume, you filled that up with, you know, oil you could god you get thousands of calories you filled that up with cheeseburgers you filled that up with processed junk food you know um and uh, i mean you could get you know half your thousand calories and not even feel full like one meal not even you know so that's why um eating kind of a diet centered around whole plant foods is great not only for long-term health because you're just packing in the nutrients um, but um, good for weight control, kind of as a, as a nice side benefit, because there's just not a lot of calories. These are not calorically dense foods. In fact, one thing you do find when people switch over, um, uh, you know, some people feel kind of a, a loss of energy when switching over to a healthy plant-based diet. And I have to say, well, okay, what are you eating? And they're used to eating the same volume of food. Like they look down at their plate and like, this is what this is what food is. This is what lunch is. This much food, right? They visualize it. But then I actually, you do a little calorie count. It's like, oh my God, you're not eating anything. You're on literally a starvation diet. And people have to know you have to eat more, right? You, you may have to eat more frequently if you feel full too. I mean, you know, so I mean, eating a plant-based diet is eating lots more food. If you don't like food, it's a bad diet. I mean, you know, because you get, really have to keep up or you have to eat really calorically dense foods like, you know, trail mix and smoothies and really ways to pack in calories because otherwise you have to eat a lot. And so then when people, so they're literally like calorie deficient, energy deficient. So no wonder they don't have the energy. So I say eat more, eat more. And then of course they feel fantastic. But you know that's a critical thing in making that transition. If you go from a crappy diet to a really healthy diet, you need to eat more food. Dr. John McDougall say the fat you eat is the fat you wear. And so their diet before it would be calorically dense just because it has more fat naturally. So I'm wondering, instead of maybe, you know, reducing the amount of calories, just replacing them with uh, healthy food groups, such as legumes, whole grains, fruits and vegetables. 
That would be a wonderful thing to do. Although uh, I'm, uh, you know, the studies done on fatty whole plant foods like nuts and seeds, for example, you would expect because they're so calorically dense, they have so much fat in them that if you, you know, added a handful of walnuts to your daily diet, you'd gain weight. That's a lot of calories. Turns out that's actually not what happens. Um, and there's this remarkable consistency among um, trials, some, uh, some uh, um, uh, supported by the nut industry, some others, uh, some independent, showing that you don't get the expected weight gain you would even though you're eating lots of fat, but it's found in whole plant foods. There's a bunch of really fascinating theories as to why. I go through them in the videos. Um, actually, uh, boost your metabolism. I mean, there are all sorts of really fascinating ways. The arginine in them um, uh, has some neat physiological effects. But basically, so I would, I would say, stay away. Uh, you know, we really need to minimize animal foods, junk foods. I would encourage people to eat whole plant foods. And it's less important to me, you know, kind of the ratio of the macronutrients, you know, carbs, fat, protein. It's really the source. As long as you're getting it from whole plant foods, that's, uh, I think that's the most important thing. Okay. Yeah, I do remember seeing those videos of you showing the studies with the nuts. If you can kind of just go into that, how is that possible? You know, you're eating so much calorically dense, you know, high fatty foods. Where, where do those calories Go. Where do the calories disappear to? Um, uh, yeah, so uh, there's a video um, on the site, nutritionfacts.org, it's called Solving the Mystery of the Missing Calories. Um, and so that follows uh, a video called Nuts and Obesity, The Weight of Evidence, where I go through, you know, all every study in the last, I think, eight years that, have, that has looked at weight gain, the risk of overweight obesity, abdominal obesity with nut consumption, and uh, seeing that there's no... Um, uh, that you don't get that kind of weight gain. Where do the nut calories go? Um, and so I talk about some of the various um, theories, one of which um, is the so-called pistachio principle, um, which, uh, which basically suggests that, um, uh, that the nuts are such a pain to eat. Like if you had to sit down and actually eat pistachios and actually shell them each, I mean, it would just, I mean, it would just you know, cut out your body's uh, enough already. Um, even just having to chew them, um, uh, basically, uh, the more chewing you have to do, the, um, uh, the uh, you know, the more uh, just kind of the tedium of chewing might make people eat less overall. But that wouldn't. Um, um, and then uh, another one is the so-called fecal excretion theory that many of the um, you actually excrete a lot of the fat found in nuts um, out the other end. I mean, you, there's only so much you can chew almonds, right? And you think those little pieces of almonds, you know, many of which kind of go right through you and all the fat that was still contained in those little bits of almonds, um, you know, may not, not all get absorbed. So even though it says, oh, my God, this many almonds has this many calories, it only has that many calories if they get into your body, right? It doesn't matter how many calories make it into the toilet. So they um, tested these theories by comparing nuts to nut butters. Okay, so then look, if we say, okay, almond butter versus almonds, then almond butter, you get all that fat, right? I mean, there's no little bits, right? And you don't have to chew. I mean, you just suck it right down, right? Um, and then they did these like smoothie recipes where they used like walnut smoothies, where they made it so, you know, they blended it up. And they found out that they still didn't see the weight gain, right? So they said, oh, forget, okay, so the whole pistachio thing, theory out the window, the whole fat excretion thing out the window. So what the heck is it? Um, it uh, probably... Um, 
the main reason is what's called the dietary compensation theory, where it shows that, I mean, if you add a handful of nuts to your daily diet, um, you know, it's a couple hundred calories, um, and that people, that diets are so, uh, nuts are so satiating, so filling, that even though they weren't told to replace nuts with something else, just naturally people would eat kind of 200 calories less of other foods throughout the day. Um, and so they, even though they were told, add, just eat whatever you were eating before, but add a handful or two handfuls of nuts to your daily diet, they said, okay, God, I'm going to get fat. All right, but they kept eating nuts. Um, but just because, you know, they felt so full and they're so packed with nutrition that the body, you know, they just ate less for supper without even thinking about it. And so if you actually calculate their diets, they were eating kind of 200 calories less without even thinking about it. And so thereby, you know, displacing um, uh, the other foods in their diet. And 90% of what people eat in this country is much less helpful than nuts, right? So you're displacing bad stuff. You know, it's not like they weren't eating 200 calories of kale that day, right? I mean, they were eating. And so it benefited their health overall. Um, and, um, and finally, the last bit is um, it turns out that when uh, we eat nuts, it actually boosts um, uh, the amount of fat we burn throughout the day. Um, so about 70% of the disappeared calories in nuts is, um, is uh, made up for in the, uh, in the uh, compensation, um, but there's still 30% of the calories need to be um, accounted for. And they appear to kind of boost metabolism such that, um, um, uh, that, uh, that, that, that we actually burn more fat kind of during when we sleep um, uh, just because reading nuts. And whether that's because of the arginine, I have a whole video about that, or whether it's because of the polyphenols, these wonderful class of phytonutrients found in berries and green tea and other good foods um, that also may kind of boost fat burning. So the combination, you add up all these pieces and that's the 100% of calories. Um, and uh, so I encourage people to eat a handful of nuts or seeds. Seeds are even healthier than nuts, um, uh, you know, every day. And so, you know, you hear the typical like four plant food groups, fruits, vegetables, grains, and beans. Whoa, let's, you know, what happened to nuts and seeds? What happened to mushrooms? Where do mushrooms fit in? What, what about herbs and spices? It's all sorts of other things. Basically, you know, if it grew out of the ground, eat it. So I do encourage people to transition to a whole food plant-based diet. But how about those people who say want to be vegan but still want to eat meat um you know can we recommend these fake meats out there oh. i've heard dr mcdougall say that these isolated proteins can even promote insulin like growth factor one in the body um is that you know is that safe to uh you know promote those types of foods to people that are transitioning well you know we, it's important not to let the perfect be the enemy of the good in other words it's like you know, you don't want to have this like you either eat the standard American diet or you eat this perfect whole food, you know, or or you're having a kale salad for lunch. You tell that to people. Right. And you're I mean, it's just people are going to glaze over and think you're crazy. Right. So these are fantastic transition foods. Right. These are the kind of comfort foods that people kind of grow up with. Their taste buds have adapted to. Um, so I think it's great for people to be able to um, move on to these foods and be like, hey, 
I can eat like I ate before, but all of a sudden my diet has zero cholesterol, which is only found essentially in, in animal foods, no saturated animal fat, much healthier. Um, now, you know, is, is it healthy as broccoli? No, no one's saying it's healthy as broccoli, but it's a tremendous step. I mean, imagine if we did that. You know, I have a lot of videos on the site showing remarkable effects of even, you know, cutting down saturated fat 15%, like practicing meatless Mondays, right? I mean, so that's all they're doing. It's one day of the week, and you can see remarkable benefits. It's not black and white. You know, I show the, in my uprooting leading causes of death video, you know, when you look at hypertension, diabetes, you know, some of the leading killers, obesity, you look at the leading cause of vision loss, cataracts. It's not like, you know, uh, meat eaters have 100% of the risk, and then flexitarians and ovo-lacto-vegetarians and pescatarians have 100%, and then vegans, you know, down to 40% or 25%. No, it's the stepwise drop in risk. The more and more plant-based one eats, the more benefits accrue true to fully maximize to fully exploit the power of diet to lower the risk of chronic disease you really have to do move towards the end of the plant-based spectrum but every step along the way counts so i think it's fantastic when these new products come out like beyond meat and things and people can't even tell the difference your body can tell the difference though so all of a sudden you ate something with fiber all of a sudden you ate something you know that didn't have any cholesterol um and so uh you know, people aren't going to jump straight to broccoli. And so, you know, I, I just, I, I would hope people don't dead in on those products, right? I want people to continue to move. But in terms of getting them to start the transition, fantastic. I think we need more of them. I think they need to be, you know, how like, you know, soy milk, almond milk is in the dairy case next to dairy milk. Well, there, there should be Beyond Meat in the meat case. Like next to chicken meat, there's the Beyond Meat, you know. And people can be like, oh, wait a second, it's just as cheap and, you know, it doesn't have any cholesterol. Hey, this is great. I mean, so I think that's a fantastic thing. You know, they're never going to have broccoli in the meat case, right? Um, uh, but so while we still have meat cases, minus have healthier options in there. Yeah, I think that's good advice is that it's more of a range of health. You know, you have the, the standard American diet and the whole food plant-based diet. You know, it's taking those little steps and improving on a daily or you know weekly monthly basis type of thing and in fact you know there's a lot of studies that i show that literally all they did was add fruits and vegetables to people's diet didn't take anything away now of course look if you're going to eat more fruits and vegetables you're going to eat less of something else and since fruits and vegetables are the healthiest things on the planet by definition you're going to be getting rid of less healthy foods and adding more healthy foods but some of these remarkable studies, like an improvement in lung function in people with emphysema, was just adding some fruits and vegetables. The dramatic boost in immunity um, uh, seen in older men and women in response to you know pneumonia, um, uh, you know that was just you know you look at the experimental group, it was you know five to seven fruits and vegetables a day versus like three or fewer fruits and vegetables a day. So even just adding healthy foods can have a dramatic effect. Part of that is because the wonderful things found in those healthy foods. Part of that is you're displacing less healthy foods. But, you know, I kind of like that just psychologically as a physician. When I tell people to add healthy foods, people don't feel deprived, right? If I said, okay, you got to not smoke, you got to quit smoking, you got to stop eating cheeseburgers, you got to, okay. But instead, if I say, hey, I want you to eat, you know, a salad this big, right, every day, right? If you eat a salad that big, by definition, you're just not going to have room for some of this other stuff, right? And so we start, okay, salad every day. And then we add some more, you know, okay, I want you to eat a sweet potato. All right, now I want you to eat 
you know, and by the end of the month, they're like, I don't got room for the crab. Right. And little do they know, I just transitioned them to a plant based whole food diet. And, you know, they don't feel in fact, not only do they not feel deprived, they're like, oh, no more food. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, it'd be very tough to to pound that pizza someone used to eat with a whole big bowl of salad. So that's exactly. really good advice. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is what I kind of wanted to go into next. I know you're very well versed into the studies. Um, how about raw food diets? What do the studies and the science really say about that? You know, I've met so many people that have reversed, you know, cancers and all sorts of disease on raw fruits and vegetables. Um, so I was wondering if I could have your, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, one of the benefits that raw diets have over just quote-unquote vegan diets is it cuts out all the crap, right? And so, I mean, it used to be that vegans had really healthy diets. They had to, by definition. They, I mean, all that there was available was healthy food. I mean, it's the same thing with celiac sufferers. The people that, you know, were forced to eat gluten-free 20 years ago, they were all of a sudden they couldn't eat donuts, right? All of a sudden, I mean, so they were actually eating pretty healthy diets because they weren't eating all this processed crap. But now celiac sufferers can eat just as unhealthy as everybody else. And the same thing with vegans. Now vegans have vegan ice cream and vegan donuts and vegan everything else. Vegan marshmallows, right? So you could live off vegan marshmallows and, you know, have terrible health. Um, and so, ah, but the raw people have the advantage, right? If you go raw, then all of a sudden, Vegan marshmallows are off your plate. Um, what uh, there is, but so that, but that's the that's the primary advantage, is the fact that you're getting rid of a lot of that processed garbage. And so I don't see an advantage of a raw food diet over a whole food plant based diet. And in fact, the long term studies on raw foodists are quite disappointing. I have a couple of videos on the site. Um, and so the, in the short term, they do remarkable. They do great. Um, because you're going to an extremely healthy diet, but long term we're seeing some um, nutrient deficiencies and not great stuff. If you want to do it, um, uh, the absolute uh, must-have resource is becoming uh, raw by uh, Davis and Molina. Get that your local uh, library. Uh, it is the only science-based, evidence-based resource on law on raw food diets, both the benefits and the risks that I've ever been able to find. And so if you want to try it, go for it, but make sure you do it with that book. What are these um, deficiencies that we are seeing? I mean, you'd think you would have fewer deficiencies. I mean, if you all, all you ate was like a diet just packed with fruits and vegetables, I mean, you should just be like oozing nutrients out of your ears. But it's not what you eat, it's what you absorb. That's, a, that's, a, that's kind of a critical piece. And so, for example, you get twice the amount of beta carotene cooked carrots compared to raw carrots. You get about uh, three or four times the amount of lycopene, this wonderful red pigment in uh, tomatoes and pink grapefruit and watermelon, in you know cooked tomato products like tomato sauce, tomato paste, compared to raw tomatoes. Um, uh, so, it's many of these kind of carotenoid nutrients you actually get more absorption. Um, now, having said that, look, there are some nutrients that are heat sensitive, like uh, you know vitamin C folate can be destroyed. You know, fifteen percent can be destroyed in broccoli. Uh, you know, if you microwave broccoli for two minutes, you destroy about 15% of the vitamin C. So then you'd have to eat six florets of steamed broccoli to get the amount of vitamin C found in five florets of raw broccoli. But if you don't like raw broccoli, you like steamed broccoli, and you're going to eat no raw broccoli, then obviously, right, whatever way will get you to stuff more fruits and vegetables in your face, that's the way you should eat them, however you like them. Um, uh, but having said that, um, let me see. Uh, 
Let me see if I can find the uh, the raw. So if you type, if you go to raw food, um, it, uh, there's a topics page on nutritionfacts.org. Um, over sixteen hundred topics in nutrition. I've got videos on over sixteen hundred topics. One of those is raw foods. Um, um, or you know, I wonder if it's even under cooked foods. Um, uh, and I go through um, the studies, most of which were done on the Hallelujah diet, folks. Um, uh, which were not uh, just kind of one brand of raw foodism. I think they did some juicing, some sprouting. Um, uh, but you'll see the studies that I have, and unfortunately, they're just not great. Um, whereas long-term uh, studies on vegans, for the, uh, for example, the Advantage Two study, and these people are not, you know, raw food vegans. You know, they eat a lot of kind of processed meats and things. Um, do remarkably well and have uh, some of the lowest rates of chronic disease. Uh, in fact, uh, the uh, you know the vegetarian Seventh Day Adventist, the longest living population in the world, formerly studied ever, longer living longer than the Okinawa Japanese, living longer than everybody. Um, and part of that is because of their plant-based diet, and part of it is because they um, have a lot of other healthy lifestyle behaviors as well, like not smoking. Yeah, maybe um, it's like how you said before, of like the range of health. Maybe it's just because people are adding more fruits and vegetables, having more salads and more fruits and, and things like that. Maybe that's uh, another reason why it could be uh, quoted um, healthier. Oh, absolutely. Right. So it's not just kind of avoiding the bad stuff in meat. Um, it's adding the good stuff in plants, right? To be a healthy vegetarian, you actually have to eat vegetables. Um, just like everybody does. And, you know, French fries don't count. Um, you know, so I go around, speak at college campuses, and there's all these, you know, vegans living off of French fries and beer, and they're just unhealthy. You know, they're just not, you know, that's not, now, of course, at that age, they're just not thinking long, you know, they're not thinking really about their health, but, you know, they really should be, um, because many of these chronic diseases take decades to develop. And so the earlier we can uh, start eating healthier, the better. And you share great information. Uh, you have a website if you'd like to share that with the, uh, the folks here. Nutritionfacts.org, the only kind of nonprofit, um, uh, you know, science-based website, non-commercial, not selling anything, uh, new videos and articles every day in the latest nutritional science, nutritionfacts.org. You can subscribe. Um, everything's free on the website. Um, just kind of put it up as a public service. I hope you'll check it out and share it with friends and family. Yeah, and I absolutely recommend this to anyone who is looking to improve their health and just keep up with all the, the studies out there. I know it's, sometimes it's overwhelming, so um, it's, it's very nice to have this uh, convenience, Dr. Greger. It's a full-time job to uh, kind of, you know, just to sift through all the conflicting studies, but it, look, it's my full-time job, and please feel free to take advantage of it. Thank you. Well, I have to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this interview. It's It's been a real pleasure talking to you, doc, Dr. Greger. Happy to help out. Keep up the good work. Thank you. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of This Is Bananas. To learn more about this episode, check out the show notes over at bananiac.com. That's B-A-N-A-N-I-A-C.com. If you're looking for easy and nutritious plant-based recipes to make at home, you can download my ebook, Bananiac Simple Vegan Recipes, from my website as well. It includes 25 of my favorite whole food plant-based recipes that I make and eat every day and will hopefully help you eat more whole plant 
plant-based meals as well. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please rate it wherever you're listening to it. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from it. Leave a comment with your thoughts and subscribe to This Is Bananas as well as my YouTube channel, Bananiac, which you can find at youtube.com slash Bananiac. This helps me become more discoverable and ultimately reach more people with my work. If you'd like to donate, please visit patreon.com slash Bananiac. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and supporting the one-man band that I am. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourself, spread the word, and we'll see you in the next episode. Peace.